Bobble Blondes, episode one, take one. It is July 22nd, Second. 2018. Year of our Lord. Oh, <laughs> uh, you need to start bringing back just saying that after every time you say the day. Yeah. Uh, sorry, boss. I have a doctor's appointment on uh, Monday, September 3rd, 2018. Year of our Lord. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to see the looks. <laughs> uh, anyway, hi everyone. Welcome to Bottle Blondes. Welcome to Bottle Blondes. Yes, this is going to be the unstuffy wine podcast for uh, funny people. So. Get ready to experience your favorite wines in a way you never knew possible. <laughs> That's right, with two people who are also learning about wine. <laughs> and have glorious blonde hair. Yay! Which may or may not be real. <laughs> My name is Adrian Warner, and sitting next to me is... Uh, Hallie Zemrochek. <laughs> Kelly, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, uh, I am a paralegal by day and by night. I do uh, improv all around town, uh, often with the, my lovely cohort sitting across from me. Mm-hmm. It's part of our duo, Secret Cervix. Shh. We're, we're agents of the government, but don't let them know. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, makes perfectly... Uh, pairs perfectly with drinking wine, being agents of the government. Exactly. So today we are actually, oh yeah, let's, let's hear a bit about Oh you. yeah. Um, my name is Adrian Warner. I am a, a digital media producer by day and then by night also uh, a comedic improviser here in this lovely town of Portland, Oregon. So we thought for our first episode we would uh, have fun with our uh, mutually favorite uh, grape and wine, mm-hmm. which is, and it's summer, so very appropriate, mm-hmm. uh, which is Sauvignon Blanc. Fun just upfront facts about it. It is a grape that uh, comes typically from, uh, does well in cooler climates, mm-hmm. um, and um, originated in the country of France. France. <laughs> so Sauvignon Blanc uh, is a, a grape that is grown uh, primarily in Europe, a little bit of South Africa, South America, and then um, in regions in the United States as well. California, Oregon. Uh, it's a grape that prefers cooler climates, rockier soil bed. Um, a lot of these uh, vineyards are kind of on um, old fossil or volcanic type rock. And um, the point of that being so that there's uh, better drainage because these grapes tend to ripen up quicker and need to be plucked faster in order to kind of maintain the <clears throat> acidity. Yeah, it's ha- dominant flavors include gooseberry, green melon, grapefruit, white peach, passion fruit. Um, typically cooler climates are gonna taste more on that kind of lime, zesty, lemon-lime flavor. Warmer climates are gonna feature a little bit more of the um, stone fruit flavors like peach and melon. 
And Melon's then, not a stone fruit. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be. But it could be. Put a rock in a melon. <laughs> and then you got a stone fruit. Uh, all right, cool. We have some experiments to deal with. Uh, a watermelon with a pit being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and let's not forget as well uh, the wine growing region in New Zealand. New Zealand's a very popular Oh, one. yes. New Zealand very is yeah, a well. uh, Marlboro region mm-hmm. being one of the more popular ones. Um, so uh, uh, Sauvignon Blancs typically are only um, fermented in stainless steel tanks to preserve that kind of uh, crispness that is uh, inherent to the wine. Uh, sometimes they are aged in oak barrels uh, to impart some flavor, but it is typically not um, the way the traditional fermentation method with this wine. So if you ever do come across a Sauvignon Blanc that has been aged in oak, in oak you might want to give it a try because it's probably going to taste a little bit different than what you're Yeah, used probably to. a little bit more creamy and a little less acidic than we're usually typically used to. Um, I have a little fun fact from, um, I love Wine Folly as a resource, uh, Madeline. Get. I don't know how to say her last name. She's American though, <laughs> so let's not get too fancy there. She's awesome. Um, this, the barrel aged style was made famous uh, by Robert Mondavi in the 1970s when he renamed his barrel aged Sauvignon Blanc to Fumé Blanc. Barrel aged Sauvignon Blanc tastes creamy while still exhibiting the, rari- the variety's trademark green notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but today, for purposes of ex- Expanding our knowledge and journey of Sauvignon Blanc, uh, we have both chosen a country um, out of all of the countries to kind of uh, taste and uh, check the differences on. Uh, and then after that, we're going to blind taste test each other uh, with some choices from maybe the same country, maybe a different country. We don't know. So let's dive into our regions of choice. Um, I think you should go first because okay. yours is uh, is like the, the, the motherland. The motherland, yeah. So in researching areas, uh, obviously so many places grow Sauvignon Blanc. There's old world, there's new world, there's all kinds of styles out there. I went traditional um, for the purposes of teaching ourselves more, and I picked France. Um, France is kind of more or less where the Sauvignon Blanc a grape originated from. Um, it came from the the mother grape. The mother grape is that a thing? Yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, mother uh, grape. But we mother... don't we don't know who the father is. We don't know who the father is. Scandal. <laughs> um, the mother grape Sauvignon, uh, and I'm gonna get better at pronouncing French things as this podcast continues. <laughs> uh, so bear with me for this first one. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc originated in the Loire Valley of France, and it's a parent grape of Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, It's at least 500 years old, and it is the child grape of a rare French variety called Sauvignon. Usually, French wines drop the varietal name on the label, so you're gonna see a lot of village areas on the label instead. So when you buy a Sancerre, a Pouy Fumé, a Chevrony, or a Terrain, you're essentially drinking a Sauvignon Blanc from the Loire Valley. What was that, a Pouy? A Pouy, <laughs> a Pouy Fumé, and I said... <laughs> it sounds like you're like trying to spit something, a Pouy, a Pouy, Pouy. <laughs> Sorry, a little <laughs> child humor there. <laughs> Have not even got into the wine yet. Um, it's typically, let's see, Pui is uh, named after some sort of monk, and I <laughs> <laughs> let's let's find. Um, it's furthest east in the Lore region, and then its neighbor is Sancerre. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. Fume actually is basically just, uh, it means smoke. So technically they have kind of like a smokier characteristic to them if you get a, a Sauvignon Blanc from Pui Fume. Um, and then Pui is, like I said, I think it's a, um, I think it's a monk. It sounds, some dude. It sounds like a monk it's name. It's some dude, you Father know. Pui. Father Pui. Father Pui, I've sinned. <laughs> what is it, my child? What is it? I have been drinking too much Pui, Fume. <laughs> um, and it's a vine that, if left to its own devices, would grow basically with wild abandon. So that's hence the name, hence the, um, the Sauvignon coming from Savage. Um, the flavor of wines typically from this region um, tend to be a little bit more zesty and racy. They're um, very, very acidic. They're usually typically more um, imbued with notes of lime and gooseberry. Gooseberry, I don't think is like really a thing anybody from the U.S. would know, but... Or like, yeah, eats on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, but the, honestly, I, I feel... It's so annoying when you're tasting a, a, a wine and you're like, this tastes like grapes, but really it does. It tastes a lot like green grapes. Yeah, um, yeah. It doesn't quite get a lot of those vegetal notes that, um, that Sauvignon Blanc in other places of the world have, but it does have a lot of minerality um, and a lot of zing. <clears throat> All right, let's, let's dive into it, shall we? Yeah, let's dive into it. So this um, this one is a 2015 um, St. Brie, which is actually a region that is really close to Bordeaux. Um, so it's not actually a yeah typical a typical upper lore valley. Um, it's not a Sancerre. I did try to look for a Pui Fume because it had kind of a unique flavor profile, but um, apparently Portland is is hard. They were all sold out, but apparently Portland's either all about it or not ordering very much of it. Um, the St. Brie is a neighboring region of Burgundy, and it's an only Sauvignon Blanc appellation. Um, so only Sauvignon Blanc is grown in St. Brie. You're not going to find any other grapes there. And I actually had, I think, some of this at a tasting that I did yesterday, but I think this might be a slightly different... Um, vintage? Vintage? I don't know. I remember seeing the St. Brie on the label. Um, so cheers. Cheers. We're swirling. Swirl. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you swirl counterclockwise or clockwise, Tally? Well, my arm right now is telling me I'm going clockwise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going counterclockwise. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe we'll get different. <laughs> I wonder if it matters. The, the clockwise notes versus the counterclockwise notes. Smells very um, like fresh arugula is mm -hmm. something that I'm really getting here. Yeah. Um, Getting some pea shoots <laughs> or fresh cut grass. <clears throat> Things that are a little bit less on the sweet side. Yeah, I would say this isn't very sweet. It's very, very acidic. Tart, green apple. There's definitely like a nice little floral component to it mm. as well. The color is pretty typical of most Sauvignon Blancs, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a, you know, when you're not like too, you know when your pee is like, <laughs> you're not totally dehydrated, but you're not like totally hydrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind it, of like, it's, like it's not healthy. a morning pee, it's like a, a mid-morning pee. Yeah, yeah. yeah, after you've had at least one glass of water, probably also a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, so it's about there. <laughs> <laughs> 
has a nice little light golden hue. Yeah. Um, obviously light bodied as most Sauvignon Blancs are. I think all Sauvignon Blancs are. Um, I think the minerality is actually pretty subdued here. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. you can really almost like taste like you're sucking on a rock with some of yeah. these. Um, I'm not really getting that so much, so much here. <clears throat> it does have a nice like kind of zing at the end, like a really nice um, like hit of lime right at the end. Mm. This would definitely, obviously, as we discussed earlier in our food pairings, probably be, you know, great with a summer salad, um, ceviche, mm. or uh, anything that's like fresh seafood. Um, this would, yeah, this would have a really, this would pair really nicely with anything that is also kind of acidic that has like, um, like you said, like ceviche or um, like a nice fresh fruit salad or something like that. Hot food wise, uh, typically we were drinking Sauvignon Blancs with um, like Thai food, mm. something that's got a little bit of spice, um, which would maybe kind of play nicely with the uh, acidity in the wine. The texture is really interesting on this one. It's almost kind of like, has this nice like little like, um, Pop Rocks vibe to it, which mm. I feel like is really typical of like a Gruner or something like that. I usually don't get that quite as much with a Sauvignon. This is really good. Yeah. Um, I got it at World Foods downtown ah. on Everett and 9th. I think that's where they're at. Nice. Really nice. All right. <clears throat> I chose a wine from Chile, uh, which is a less known uh, region um, that Sauvignon Blanc uh, comes from. Uh, is typically in the central, Chile is one of the longest, you know, countries in long the- Long and skinny. Long and skinny. Uh, so a lot of the wine comes from the uh, central to lower part where it gets mm. colder. So the more south you go, the colder it gets. So that's where like Patagonia mm. is oh, cool. and all that. So as we were mentioning earlier, Sauvignon Blanc uh, grows better in, in colder climates. Uh, so I, uh, and some of the flavors you're going to be uh, finding with uh, a Chilean uh, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, grass, lime juice, uh, unripe banana, pineapple, um, and you might even get, uh, because the Pacific Ocean is colder than the Atlantic, you're going to get more of that sea, um, mm. you know, saltiness maybe imparted mm -hmm. uh, in that. So this is a wine, uh, it's called Casas de Bosque. And this is from the Casablanca Valley, uh, which is about 70 kilometers, didn't do the conversion, sorry everybody, 70 kilometers south of Santiago, which is uh, Chile's capital. So uh, this is a wine that was grown on uh, volcanic um, fossil beds uh, from the Pacific Ocean about 115 million years ago. So uh, I'm guessing this wine is going to have, <clears throat> or I'm hoping this wine will have uh, some of that like uh, salinity, I guess that's the word I'm looking for, saltiness. Salinity is the wine term maybe for yes. that. Um, you could get some salinity, you could get some slate or chalk typically. Mm -hmm. um, those are things that kind of are associated with that minerality. Yeah. So this is uh, an estate, meaning that all of the grapes in this wine were grown on the estate. They weren't bought from another winery and, you know, mixed with other grapes. Uh, it was a winery founded in 1993, and this particular winery is actually one of Chile's most award-winning. So, and this is literally the only one I can find in the States. Wow. So, um, here we go. Casa de Bosque, Sauvignon Blanc. Ooh. Maybe I should pour these closer to the mic. Yeah, let's hear that. Holy cow. So much different. 
it already has a little bit Whoa. more of a golden hue than the previous one. The this... previous one was a little bit more of like an off green, off yellow, and this is kind of like, it's still very light, but... The freight, like, it's so much more fragrant. Yeah. Like, wow. Holy guacamole. I definitely smell, um, like... Green pepper. Green pepper. Jalapeno. Like, yeah, peppery. Um, I smell the, the, like, rock. Like, I don't know if you've ever... Picked up a rock and smelled it. Or you put one in your mouth. I mean, you were five once. I mean. <laughs> you played in a sandbox. I know you ate mud if you're listening to this. Um, I just got whiskey stones from uh, Scotland to put in drinks to not dilute the drink. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't used them for whiskey yet because I'm more of a wine gal. So I put them actually in some wine the other day. And it really it put this like kind of granity, rocky taste in the oh. wine, which kind of is going to help me, you know, maybe pick mm -hmm. it up in future, in future taste. But, oh. Yeah. So if you want to get more familiar with the minerality, um, go lick some rocks. Yep. <laughs> it's okay. No one will judge you. I mean, you've seen my strangest addiction, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's like a nice tertiary, like um, almost like pineapple-y aroma as well that's kind of coming through. Yeah, I'm so, yeah some tropical fruits. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> All right, I'm putting it in my mouth. Me too. Ooh, it's like heavier. Yeah, the texture is much more um, kind of velvety feeling than the previous one. Um, the, the acidity is not quite as bright or as like racy. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this would, yeah, interesting. I, li I like it. Let's try it with one of the heavier cheeses, yeah. yeah. Let's try it with a little, the sheep, correct? Oh yeah. Some sheep, some Patagonian sheep. <laughs> meh, meh. Um, Do alpacas make milk? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, they make sweaters and... <laughs> Well, maybe we should try some um, alpaca cheese someday. We gotta go to one alpaca farm. Yes. We gotta touch an alpaca. There's gotta so... touch an alpaca. Sauvignon Blancs aren't wines that you typically age. age. Mm -hmm. They're meant to be drank, essentially, at bottling. Um, I would say the longest to probably keep mm -hmm. one around would be a couple years. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised to find one from 2015 on the shelf, um, especially because I wasn't looking for anything like spectacularly rare or unique. Um, oh, I was looking for things that were unique, obviously, <laughs> but I mean, I wasn't looking for anything that was um, pushing the $20 price point. So um, the fact that this was 2015 kind of surprised me a little bit. Maybe it was an off year. Sometimes off vintages are the best ones to try. Mm -hmm. So this bottle that I bought um, from St. Brie, the Sauvignon, um, is by a maker that goes by, an, forgive me on pronunciation, because I never took French. I grew up in New Mexico. We both grew up in New Mexico, actually. And I took three years of French. <laughs> you took three years of French. Okay, so maybe you can help me. Um, Clotilde Davin. Clotilde Devin. Um, Does that sound right to you as, as, as a pronunciation? I, it's a, it's, that's the maker. Um, and she's actually kind of interesting. She uh, studied um, wine in the 80s, basically, in California. And then in the late 80s, she went and bought some land in the St. Brie region. She's actually not from a winemaker family. She's kind of just this, like, badass feminist who started making wine um, near Burgundy. Um, so this wine is a 2015... 
Um, probably retails mm, kind of between 15 and 20 bucks. Um, so it's not gonna break the bank. It's kind of a nice weeknight wine. And yeah, it's, it's fascinating. You know, when you go to a uh, you know winery, you're hearing all about that winery's production and soil. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we tend to only ask those questions and really be interested in the origin story when we're at the winery. But the fact is, like, when you are getting a nicer bottle, you know, when you're getting a $20 bottle of wine and you're just going to drink it by yourself or with <laughs> or, or with friends, <laughs> you know, let's face it, we're often <laughs> drinking these by ourselves. Um, you know, it's look at the look up the winery on the Internet. You know, the, mm -hmm. the website's going to have information about um the soil, about the history. Um, some of the websites I'm finding are a little bit more detailed than others. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, if you're going to a, a wine shop, uh, if, if the owner's there or the distributor's there, they're happy to also give you extra information. So when you're drinking your wine, you, it's just that much more enjoyable. And it's it's very important with this uh, with old world wines. If you're like us, if you're from the United States, and you're kind of typically used to, I feel like when you start out drinking wine and buying wine, you're looking mainly for the grape type. And if it's not printed on the label, then it's like, oh my god, what am I even buying? What is this? I don't know what this is gonna taste like. Yeah. Um, and because each. Uh, region of Europe has its own weird specifications for the labels. It really helps to do some research um, and, and it makes it a lot less intimidating as well. Um, it just I didn't even know that the regions of Sancerre and the Lower Valley were both typically areas uh, for Sauvignon Blanc. I knew that it came from France and I knew that there were probably a couple different regions where it grew, but like now I know that if I see a Sancerre, what is going to be in it? Cool. cool. So uh, we are now going to go on to one of our uh, various segments that we have in store for you. Uh, this one being uh, wine term of the week. Mm. Uh, a lot goes into uh, winemaking, and I feel like every day somebody is saying a word that sounds like I don't know, like a like a made up animal or a <laughs> car wax brand or or <laughs> your mother's weird animal print mumu. Yeah, there's. But it's really a wine term. So uh, Adrienne this week is going to tell us what our wine term is and talk about it. Well, this wine term is fabulous for the grape we picked. It's uh, pyrazines. Mm -hmm. uh, it is basically the thing that makes some wines taste like bell pepper. Uh, bell pepper is going to be found a lot in Sauvignon Blanc. It's going to be found a lot in Cabernet Franc. Anything that kind of has that vegetal flavor, pyrazines are the reasons behind it. Can you, can you spell that, please? Yes, pyrazines. <laughs> P-Y-R-A-Z-I-N-E-S, pyrazines. Thank you, you will advance to the next round. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is sometimes considered a fault in wine, but um, honestly, it's... And we're talking specifically about green bell pepper. We're not talking about like, you know, cause red and- Yeah, red, yellow. There's all kinds of bell peppers in the world. But, but, but the hiccups. <laughs> but green is the one that I am typically, is this only referring to green bell peppers mm -hmm. or is it like to all bell pepper flavors? It's mostly just referring to green bell pepper flavor. Um, the bell pepper aroma. I don't think that people get that specific about the bell pepper colors when they're describing a wine, hmm. but um, green bell pepper is usually the most commonly associated uh, with white wine, um, and also I've heard it a lot with Cabernet Franc. Um, I think it's just the most 
like people don't really buy green peppers to put in their food because it's the most pungent of that bell pepper flavor. So when you taste that, you're thinking green versus red, blue, yellow. There's no blue. I was gonna say, you have, where are you getting where? blue, <laughs> blue bell peppers from? Um, the, it's, um, it comes from the word methoxyprazine. And a group of these savory flavors come from that compound, and it's typically found in Bordeaux family grapes. So, like I said, Sauvignon Blanc, Cabernet Franc, uh, it can appear a bit in Cabernet Sauvignon. It can even appear in more mellow wines uh, like Mer Merlot. Um, and then some more, again, racier side wines, uh, Carmenere, um, I probably am not pronouncing that right, and Malbec sometimes as well. Um, so you kind of just think of a pepper. I learned about this phenomenon in um, my wine class uh, over at, where was it? The Wine and Spirits Archive, which is over on Southeast Ash. It's like right near where BWA used to be, RAP, in Portland. Um, and they have a really great introductory wine course that kind of goes into both the, the scientific reasons why you're tasting the thing that you're tasting, as well as the grapes themselves and their characteristics. So yeah, pyrazines. Cool. Anytime you're tasting that veggie flavor, that's why. You bust that out on your friends and they'll be in awe, mm -hmm. shock and awe. Yeah, use that in a Scrabble night. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Pyrazines, <laughs> P-Y-R-A. <laughs> Um, pyrazines age really well. So if you have something that's a little bit more on the green side and it'll, it'll, uh, you can put it on the shelf. So what you're saying there. is our Casa del Bosque, since it had such strong pyrazine notes, mm -hmm. that this might be a Sauvignon Blanc that you might want to try. Yeah, for a couple of years. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> uh, well folks, it is time for the Blind Tasters! Yes. The theme scary theme music pending. Alright, so part of the blind taste test is for us to, uh, you know, strive to be better at recognizing, uh, you know, regions, countries, and uh, vintages. Uh, typically when you're doing a blind taste test, you may, uh, you know, Psalms have to do a lot of blind taste testing and they, they won't know the, the grape or a blend either. Wow. But for this particular podcast, we know what this is. These are Sauvignon Blancs. So that was already given to us. It takes a little bit of the mystery out of it. But since the flavor profile is so distinct. And since it's grown in so many regions around the world. We figured, let's give it a shot. <clears throat> we'll see how good at this we are. <laughs> because right now, see we've had only probably a glass of wine. Yeah, probably a glass. All right, so. How many ounces are in a glass, Halle? Do we know this? Let's look it up. A uh, typical serving uh, is about four to five ounces, I believe, mm. for a glass of wine. But we all know that we <laughs> are pouring more like eight. Yay! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay, so close your eyes. <clears throat> They're close for everybody who's um, <laughs> listening. My eyes are closed. Also going to be. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just keep my eyes closed. Uh, oh, okay. Continually. Um, oh, wow. That was me remarking on the color. Oh, maybe I shouldn't keep my eyes 
No, no, no. Keep them close. Ah, sorry. Oh, wow. This is very pale. Very pale. This would be um, the, probably your third pee of the day after mm. you've had more water. Yeah. You're, you're, you're pretty much on the road to not being dehydrated. Yeah, basically, like, at that point when you're like, you know what? I'm going to drink more water this year. It's like my goal. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I'm going to drink, like, you know, what do they recommend? Um, half of your body weight in ounces. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And then you're, like, about halfway through the day of that, and you're like, oh, my God, I've peed eight times. So that's what this looks like. <laughs> Actually... I feel like this would be good for a hot, super hot day. Yeah, this is very lean. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's, yeah, good word. Mm, has a lot of just like, kind of this nice sparkling acidity. And I don't mean sparkling in terms of carbonation, but like just on the tongue, <clears throat> on the tip of the tongue, it's very. Oh, you're right. It's not a carbonated wine, mm -hmm. but it totally kind of feels mm -hmm. like wine. This would be a really good, um, to put in your bottle, in your, uh, in your, what is it? In, the, in your thermos for your pedicure? In your thermos for your pedicure. This would be really great on a really hot day. Um, or to take on a river float. Um, let's see. So. What are your guesses? Um, I was kind of a dick on this one, so just to FYI. You're a dick. You are a dick on this one. This is confusing. So it's. A little bit fruitier, like you said, passion fruit. I'm definitely getting a little bit of nectarine, maybe. Mm. Um, so I'm guessing this is from a warmer climate. Um, so I'm gonna rule out, I'm gonna rule out New Zealand. And I'm also gonna rule out um, France. Um, I'm gonna guess. This is maybe from South Africa? What uh, year do you think it is? Oh Lord. Knowing what we know about South Africa. Yeah, um, I'm gonna guess this is pretty new. Let's say 2017. And um, is there anything else I'm trying to guess? Mm, region, but. Region, okay. Not a lot of, is, with the region situation in South Africa, right? South, South Africa. Africa, um, or maybe Argentina. Mm. Um, yeah, those are those are my guesses. Those are that's a real <laughs> stab in the dark. And again, I was kind of a dick on this one. You are a dick <laughs> because these grapes are actually from Slovenia. Slovenia. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is the label. So this is a wine. The grapes all, uh, all come from, from Slovenia, but the winery itself is actually in Austria. So the uh, winery is on top of a mountain that is kind of on the border of Austria, Slovenia. Cool. So um, the name of this wine is called Domaine Sharinga. Um, <laughs> Wait, is that actually how you pronounce it? I don't know. C-I-R-I-N-G-A. Okay, it's great. A guess. Um, so the region itself is uh, Sharinga uh, in Slovenia, but since it borders so close to that winery. Um, so this is also, uh, so it's planted next to a single vineyard in, I think it's a Zyorig, Austria is where this winery is located. It's called the, the Timent Winery. Hmm. Um, and what's interesting about this uh, particular uh, <clears throat> grape is that it is on a 
seashell and limestone fossil bed. Interesting. So what's on the bottle? That shockiness. Yeah. Yeah. So what's on the bottle here is a sea star fossil, uh, yeah, which that's... was actually found in the soil. Cool. So it's it is a very fossilized uh, soil. So again, going back to my earlier point about having that kind of like continual drainage. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of rock like rockier, more shale. Mm-hmm type of soil it's it's interesting how much you really pick up on those like regional notes like if things are grown near the ocean you sometimes get a saltier flavor this is cool 2016 all right well i don't feel so bad about the year <laughs> slovenia <laughs> all right sure yeah uh, typically not you know one of the well-known regions but you know i was wine shopping yesterday and i you know saw this and i just knew i needed to try it i mean try it Considering a lot of like uh, lighter colored, I don't even know if this is a great way to start explaining it, but like things that are leaner and that are lighter in body typically do kind of come from those regions. Like, you know, Austria, um, Germany, all have that very light bodied wine style. Mm-hmm. So, you know, makes sense, adds up. Yeah, so on the, on the back it says, uh, grown on the slopes of Sharinga, a territory with uh, shell limestone and cambisol that provides ideal conditions for the Fossilini bird, foss, which is fossil mountains. Mm-hmm. A straightforward wine with minerality that is dominated by its origin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was a fun wine I got at uh, the wine shop on Division, Division in about 36th in Southeast Portland. Uh, 20- oh, yeah. I've always wanted to go there. Yeah, so that's one of the, a lot of wine shops are, uh, what I'm finding is, and what I've, through talking with a bunch of owners yesterday, being a straight bottle shop isn't as successful as being a bottle shop slash place where you can drink the wine, mm-hmm. have some food, mm-hmm. so you're kind of able to go back and forth, and it's a really fun experience. So yeah, this is a little bit more expensive, this is $23, mm-hmm. but... I think totally worth it. Totally worth it. This is absolutely delicious. So, we're gonna go on to mystery wine number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hallie, if you may close your eyes, picture a beautiful oak countertop. Ooh. Um, and a very handsome man pouring Ooh. this wine for you. Oh my god, what's he wearing? Mm, definitely a chambray button down. Oh, I don't even know what that is, but I like it. <laughs> <clears throat> what's his name? What's his name? His name is Devin. Devin? Oh, I actually have a little crush on one of my vendors named Devin. Ooh, really? <laughs> hope he's not listening. Doesn't matter. Da, da, da. <clears throat> okay. He's poured this first taste for you. Okay, can I open my eyes now? You may open your eyes. Ooh, okay. Mmm. This color is a little similar to kind of what we just saw from the Slovenian grapes. Um, I feel like it's a little closer to that first one that we had. Kind of that like green, like slightly greenish yellowy tint. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Not sensing any of the pyrazines. Pyrazines. No, there aren't any vegetal flavors. Not vegetal. I'm actually picking. This is very stone fruity on the on the nose. Mm, Maybe a little herbal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, herbal but not vegetal. 
maybe like hay or something. Yeah, I'm really just picturing a barn right now. <laughs> Who's in that barn? Devin. Devin's in the barn. Devin's in the barn. Serving you wine in that barn. Oh, God. Devin. <laughs> Pour me another glass, Devin. <laughs> what? What, you're married? But no, it can't be. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> Moment of truth. Mm, yeah, this is so fruity. <clears throat> so I'm definitely gonna eliminate uh, New Zealand because yes. New Zealand is very uh, not chilly. chilly and not <laughs> not fruity. So this is maybe warmer climate. Mm -hmm. uh, You're on the right track. Warmer climate, probably. Either I'm actually gonna say this is New World American. Ooh. Mm. I'm gonna say this is California. 2016, so yeah, 2000, yeah, 2017, 2017, and <clears throat> probably colder, so Mendocino. You were really, really close on a lot of those. Um, Damn it. <laughs> it is a 2017, it is New World, and you're close on the region. It's actually, um, <gasps> It's actually a Columbia Valley. Oh, Blanc. yes. So that was a little bit of mind trickery. Uh, so Columbia Valley, we do know as a producer for a lot of reds, a lot of very intense reds. Um, so that's honestly why I picked this because I was so surprised by it. Yeah, Washington State is kind of more associated with things that have like really lush, ripe and juicy flavors. and. Honestly, that kind of makes sense with this, uh, that you're getting a lot more of those like fruit forward notes. So this is probably um, a nice lush, like kind of more fruit forward wine, um, but really nice price point. I think I got this at like um, 16 or 17 bucks or so, a little bit more expensive than some of their normal ones. But yeah, for, for a very new lean wine, it has a lot of juicy flavors. Yeah. This, it was fun. CMS 2017 Sauvignon Blanc. I was pleasantly surprised to even find this. Uh, so guys, we're kind of nearing the end of our uh, podcast here, but uh, since this is the uh, first one, I guess we just wanted to kind of let you know why we're doing this mm -hmm. and then also what you can kind of expect moving forward. So yeah, Adrian, why do you like wine? Oh man. <laughs> um, food kind of gave me, well, I have two... Let me back up. Let me back. Back, 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 where my boyfriend has been like, please stop stressing over <laughs> this weeknight meal. And I'm like, I can't, it must be perfect. <laughs> um, I, I have a constant laundry list of new restaurants to go to. So food is a big passion of mine, but I also have a lot of food allergies. So pursuing any sort of career in food is really limited for me. Um, and what better to, way to experience food than with wine. Um, so that's kind of one avenue of it. And another avenue is I'm also a huge nerd. I have a lot of Japanese comics on my wall and 
there is this comic that I encountered. Um, so I got really into comics about food because I love food. And then there was this comic that I encountered called Drops of God and it actually won a bunch of awards worldwide because of its accuracy and its storytelling about wine. It's like about this, it's about this boy, uh, <laughs> man essentially, who is the son of like the most esteemed wine critic in the world. And this is all fictional. Um, and he, his dad suddenly dies and is basically left his estate to him, but because they were kind of estranged a little bit, his dad suddenly before his death adopted another son who is also a wine critic and says that whoever can piece together this puzzle that he's left behind in his will, which is essentially tasting 12 different wines, figuring out exactly what they are, and then the final wine, which is the Drops of God wine. Um, this is so insane, but stay with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this book is so good, and the even though the story is fictional, the wines that they talk about are all real. And because it has imagery and because there is storytelling to it, it just takes you on this journey through all of these different very famous wines. It talks a lot about the other element that is something you don't really think of with wines. You think of like terroir, you think of region, you think of grapes, but it kind of names the like last known factor, which is just weather. And it talks about how like the act of God <laughs> the year of our Lord. <laughs> um, it can really transform a grape into something great or how it can really take an off vintage into a really unique kind of journey and it has beautiful, beautiful artwork, it has awesome storytelling. It's also really ridiculous and very humorous. So um, I started reading those books. I actually dropped $50 on the third one, which is the most rare book of them all. Um, <laughs> And I'm a nutcase. You're not a nutcase. <laughs> and that's what really got me into wine. And then from there, I took an introductory course, um, like I said, at the Wine and Spirits Archive, um, really tasting it and getting that more formal education kind of launched me into wanting to learn more and more and more. It's just opening a door, a, a cat into a chasm. Like there's just so much to learn and I feel so behind, but I'm so excited to keep going at it. This is an industry that is been around for hundreds of years is going to be around for hundreds of years to come and the history of it and each individual property is just so fascinating so it's one of the reasons i mean i got into wine because you know i'm actually yes, not tell us about yourself <laughs> i'm not quite the the cook that adrian is um <laughs> you know my growing up my dad actually was was the foodie and did a lot of the cooking and, you know, so I got to be around a lot of his experimentation. And, you know, I experiment like here and there, but I don't, you know, get too fancy because I'm so busy. I don't have the time to really invest in figuring out recipes, but <laughs> I do love going out. I appreciate food. There's very few for very few foods that I dislike. Mm -hmm. So I'm always open to try new things. Like I tried charcoal ice cream yesterday. <gasps> yeah. You, wait, where was that? Uh, T-Bar on Division. T-Bar? T-Bar, yeah. 
it's it was interesting. It was gritty, but all that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so going back to the, one of the reasons. So yeah, I I, I was intro- I felt like I was introduced to alcohol and wine at a, at a young age. <laughs> how, how young? <laughs> well, my dad was definitely making me virgin bloody marys when I was a child because he would always make bloody marys on Sundays, and I naturally wanted to be a part of this ritual. But of course, he didn't give me alcohol. But as soon as I was able to have vodka in my Bloody Marys, well then, whew. Yeah, escalated quickly. First um, time I got drunk was uh, on a Thanksgiving, a family Thanksgiving, all this red wine was left over in the glasses, and I went around just finishing it off, because my one task as a spoiled child, my one chore was I was always supposed to clear uh, dinner plates out, so it was my job to, to bust the tables, essentially, uh, for every meal. And um, that particular Thanksgiving, I was like, YOLO. <laughs> How old were you? Oh, probably like 12? I don't know. Uh, long story short, uh, have pretty much loved wine ever since. Uh, I really appreciate, I, I'm a big history nerd, you know, whenever I go to other countries or states, I'm normally at the museums, I'm trying to learn about the history of that city or country. And I think, um, and then I got into wine tasting and like going out to these places and learning about how old they were, like what was this, what's the family history, did it change hands, like really seeking out those stories because I'm I'm a storyteller, I'm a writer and, and I love that stuff. So that's where I'm at with my wine journey and yeah, I've always just been a, you know, pretty casual drinker and I want to be more, <laughs> I want to be more serious about knowing the, the differences and these fun wine terms so and nuances so yeah um, all right uh, one final thing I wanted to do mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is out of our four wines today oh yeah which one did you like the best mm. because you're gonna drink some while I make you do the following seven things channel <gasps> okay um really like the Slovenian wine. All right. Yeah. You know what? And sec. Okay. Can I order them? Yes. Oh yes. Order. Yes. Indeed. So, but that doesn't mean I don't, I love all of them. I would say the Slovenian wine is my favorite. Uh, seconded by Chile. And then the, um, the French wine, the one, the St. Brie, and then this uh, CMS. And not because I dislike the CMS from Washington State, but because it's just, you know, kind of just is. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go in a kind of similar vein as uh-huh. you. Uh, I'm gonna actually put the uh, Chilean wine first mm-hmm. uh, because it did have that salinity that I really liked. Oh yeah. Uh, and then I'm gonna take the Australian Slovenian wine second. Uh, and then the French, and then I'm also going to put the Columbia Valley fourth, just because it was a little out of um, <clears throat> out of the norm mm-hmm. of what we expect with a Sauvignon Blanc. Again, it was it was bigger, it was fruitier, it, it had a little bit more um, of that saturating tongue feel that I sometimes yeah. get with a Chardonnay. Um, which is one of you made a face (laughs) out of all the wines i tried yesterday on my wine shopping uh excursion i spit out the chardonnay Uh, i am not a chardonnay i'm trying to be better i am too because it's such a good food wine it's really good with cheese but there is you know what i'm gonna say it i think our second episode should be about chardonnay Oh, we should shit. break that barrier. We got to get the whites out while it's hot out, people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because that's a common thing, and, and I fall privy to it. It's like I don't really love Chardonnays. Uh, I think a lot of people out there are like, oh, I don't like Chardonnay, and I don't like Merlot, and it's 
You know what? Let's break those barriers down. Let's break those barriers down. Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could record this every single day. Uh, unfortunately, we have these little pesky things called day jobs. Ugh. It is a Sunday. We are day drinking, mm -hmm. in case anyone was curious. Uh, it's going to be 90 degrees, so we should be day drinking. <laughs> we both really liked the... Uh, you like this one. I really loved, yes. I okay. really love the Slovenian one. So this is seven things. Adrienne is going to try her number one wine of this podcast, and I'm going to ask her uh, seven things on the fly that she would do or like to be doing while drinking this wine. And she has to say them as fast as possible, no thinking. So here we go. Lovely little splash of the Domaine Sharanga. Take a sip. Take a sniff. It's such a nice, like, like bare feet on rock smell. Is that weird? No, no. <laughs> Lovely. I love it. Okay. Adrian. Seven things I'd like to do while drinking this wine. One. Um, eat popcorn from a bag and lick my fingers. Two. Um, go on a river float. Three. Um, brush my dog's hair and not wad it up into a ball. Just let it float into my neighbor's yard. Four. <laughs> Um, mow the lawn, but only get halfway done because I fuck that. Five. <laughs> um, uh, zest a lemon. Six. Um, kiss my boyfriend passionately and then run away giggling. Seven. Wait, was that seven? No, seven. One more. Seven. One more. Um, go shopping for a skirt, um, but return it later. Yes. Seven, seven things. things to do when you drink Domain Sharanga from Slovenia, Austria. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think that I will, you know what? Even though it wasn't my favorite, since it's out, I'm going to do since this. it's out. <laughs> That's my reason for so many things. <laughs> since it's out. <laughs> I don't want to have to walk 15 feet to the fridge to get out my number one. <laughs> So we're gonna, I'm Hallie's gonna have her number four choice, which is the CMS uh, from Columbia Valley, which Washington. Still, still good. really, really good. If you guys are looking for a good weeknight buy, do it. All right, here we go. Okay, Hallie, seven things that you would like to drink while, or sorry, <laughs> try that again. Hallie, seven things you would like to do while drinking a CMS Sauvignon Blanc 2017 from the Columbia Valley. Oh, um, I definitely want to do those like fancy hotel corners uh, on the bed sheets when I make my bed. Ooh, one. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to uh, sweep debris uh, off, of, off a patio and then like wipe my brow like I just really accomplished something major. Two. Um, I want to flirt with a boy uh, outside of a dive bar, even though I'm not going to go into that dive bar and just kind of like walk away like it never happened. Three. <laughs> Uh, I want to lay out my grandmother's quilt on the side of a, a cliff and look out upon the clouds and, and write haikus. Four. <laughs> I want to do some... Uh, That's a lot of tasks. I want to do some... Uh, I just want to do some roof repairs, you know? <laughs> uh, I want to just take like a leisurely uh, bike ride, uh, you know, down the street. Maybe get like a like a baguette that like sticks out of my bag and like some roses. But it's not for like anybody because I'm single. It's just for me. Amazing baller six. <laughs> um, makes me want to go like you know record shopping for. Um, I'm specifically looking for ELO's uh, 1983 LP Time, uh, which is a sci-fi themed uh, record from uh, America's uh, greatest uh, classic rock band, Electric Light Orchestra. 
Uh, anyway, I think we're seven, seven things. Seven things. We're, we're, we're officially there, which is probably yep. a good time for us to sign off. Yeah. Um, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, um, thank you for joining Bottle Blondes. And we'll be here next week with Chardonnay. Chardonnay. <laughs> uh, uh. Cool.